So today I have a value-packed interview with Gary Henderson, the founder of Giraffe Towers, Social Connector, Gary Club, and so many other things. If you haven't listened to yesterday's episode, which is basically a warm-up or a prerequisite for this episode, because I dive into the tech and the tools that Gary's actually using to do all these amazing things. However, in this episode, we don't necessarily cover all of the tech. So because of that, I recommend that you just pause this one, hop over to yesterday's episode, or I should say the last episode, depending when you are listening to this right now, and hear about that one first. But in this one, we really focus on the great things that Gary has done from finding his voice on a platform called Clubhouse to diving into Web3 and just engaging that community in some amazing ways. So that episode yesterday spoke about the tech and this one is the implementation of it and the conversation with Gary, the man himself. So let's get right to it. Here in the studio, we have Gary Henderson from Club Gary, also from Giraffe Towers, the founder of... Uh, many projects, a creative in the space and just doing some amazing things. So I just want to thank you for coming on the show. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. The first time I actually I heard about you was on Clubhouse. And like many people during that whole lockdown time, that's where many of us found our voices and were able to really connect with people over the internet. And I just think it's amazing that we then overlapped and came into Web3 and I was able to find you again. I didn't know that you were Clubhouse. There's, I've ran into so many people. So many of my stories start with, well, there was this one day on Clubhouse and there was this one moment on Clubhouse. Um, and it was, it was life-changing for me. It, it gave me so many opportunities. It opened up so many doors. Um, it's really cool to see that, that that's where we first met. As far as getting that creator bug, if you will, that's, I would say, really where it came in because I was having a lot of conversations and that's why I ended up uh, in a few of your rooms and what have you. And it's just really interesting because I think a lot of people were bit by the creator bug during lockdowns. Well, I think we had to be. We're stuck at home. I think in reality, most people that work a full-time job, they can finish their job in a lot less hours than they need to be in the office. So now you're at home and you're working from home or we're in this lockdown situation and some of us got let go from jobs. Some of us had transitions in jobs, but it gave us the time and the space to explore what we really love. It gave us time to think about what the world's going to look like. It gave us opportunities to maybe make some more money. Many people got government stimuluses. And when you got a government stimulus here in the United States, that gave you the freedom and the flexibility to do something you'd never done before. You got some free money to explore what that was like. I mean, you think about it, driving like 45 minutes an hour to work each way, you're spending two hours a day that you just got to buy back in your time. So I think that a lot of people were forced to, I think we also jumped into different environments like Clubhouse and we started to see what was possible. And we heard other people telling stories and we started to explore life in a different way. Um, you know, maybe expand our mindset just a little bit as well. Yeah. And honestly, that, that's how I found myself because I was in a family business working, I would say, anywhere between 70, 75 hours per week. It was just it just became a way of life. And then once everything locked down and we had nothing to do, it's it was like the first time I realized that there were 24 hours in the day. And there'd be so much more that I could be doing with my life, trying to reach people, speak to people. So it was almost like a rebirth for me. And honestly, I wouldn't even have this podcast and everything if it wasn't for that experience on Clubhouse. That's really cool. I couldn't imagine, in all honesty, what my life would be like today either without Clubhouse. I mean, it, it changed the trajectory of where I'm at. It changed what I'm doing. It, 
I, I met the co-founder of my SaaS on Clubhouse. I wrote a book about Clubhouse. I found my voice on Clubhouse. I got really, really comfortable talking and and, and getting comfortable articulating my thoughts. I'd spent a lot of time behind the scenes of other people, you know, and, and being part of their voice. So I had to kind of learn what my voice sounded like. And Clubhouse was the best spot for that. I love to help people. And it was a like just an amazing spot to help people. I can't, I really can't imagine what my life would be like today if it wasn't for Clubhouse at all, honesty. It's amazing. And I could totally relate. So as far as the overlap between your experience on Clubhouse, really coming alive as a creator and what have you, and coming into Web3, what was that experience? Like that bridge, bridging the whole uh, creator experience in Web3? Yeah, so my past was working with podcast hosts and authors and course creators. And the biggest struggle that we had is no one knew their name. No one knew who they were and no one knew what they stood for. As I started to build my brand, I just knew I wanted to do something different. I knew I wanted to have positive receptors going off with people. I wanted people to feel good about my brand. I wanted, I didn't want people to cancel. And I'd help people build a lot of monthly memberships. And we had this cancellation trigger that would go off in people's heads. You know, their credit card would decline or, or life would get in the way or, or just they just didn't need it anymore. And they would have to hit the cancel button. So December 2020, I know nothing about crypto. Had never owned crypto in my life. January 2021, I learn about social tokens. February 2021, I shoot my shop publicly on a clubhouse room to get a social token in my name called the Gary Coin. And early March of 2021, I dropped Gary Coin. And my first crypto I ever owned was another social token. And I actually, I'd never owned Ethereum or anything else. I traded Gary Coin to get ETH. And that's the first ETH I ever had in my wallet. Wow, that's pretty impressive. As far as the social token, when I came into that, that was an interesting entry point as well. And just like Gary token, I know that was on Rally. And when I first came in, it was through Brian Fanzo's token as far as that, an introduction to that. And it was very interesting. So what was like that uh, setting up your social token and why exactly did you as a creator choose to go that route? So I didn't know anything about it, but what I did know is I didn't want people to have to cancel. I had heard story after story after story of people canceling on clients. And you know, whenever we were running memberships, we were running probably a 15% attrition rate, meaning every month we were losing 15% of our subscribers. And as I learned about crypto and I learned about the premises of crypto and the fact that we have shared ownership and we have shared rewards and we have shared goals together and we're in this together, I thought that was the best way. The other thing is I knew I needed people to know my name. And I know when people pay, they pay attention. What I've learned is when people own, they take ownership. So I put my crypto with my name on it, Gary, in their wallet. They were invested. Not as necessarily a financial instrument, but as something that they were invested in because they owned it. It was theirs. So when I learned about that, I, I had no clue what was going on with this, but I just knew I wanted to explore it. I shot my shot. I, I shouldn't have gotten accepted. I didn't have the brand. I didn't. I mean, they were accepting like Portugal, the man and like Megadeth and these big bands. And I mean, even, you know, Brian Fanzo that keynoted a bunch of conferences. And the first person that I learned about Rally Farm was Peter Shankman. He founded Hero and like Hero, help a reporter out. That's a huge company. So I'm just Gary. And they accepted me and I said, I've got to show them that they made the right decision. And I just committed to learning 
what it meant to build a social community. I was one of those people that actually I applied for it and I didn't get it, obviously. Um, you know, looking at it, I think one of the issues that they were having with that platform and social tokens in general is a lot of the people that they onboarded weren't familiar with creating content that also built community. And I think that is why it was a home run uh, connecting with you. Well, it's creating content that builds community, but you also have to feel comfortable getting people to buy. We did more transactional volume at Rally.io than any other creator. We were at the top of their charts. We had more Rally backing than any other creator on the platform ever by a lot. We had our own community. So most other Rally communities, what happened is Rally developed their own community. And then people would buy other creators because they'd be like, oh, well, I like Fanzo or I like Shankman or I like this person. And they would just start buying on platform. I had my own unique community. And when I learned how their rewards worked, I just gamified it. And we crushed the reward system. We became a magnet for all the rally. Everything came to us because we got more rewards than everybody else. So I had taken business trainings to learn how to sell. And I was comfortable asking people to pay me. And I'm comfortable charging for access. If I was... A 20-year-old female, I'd probably be on OnlyFans. That's just me. So when I look at that, it was that's what it took at Rally.io for me to do that. I had to say things like, I have giraffe, let's go grab some. And we sold out our giraffe on Rally.io originally. Um, you know, I've got this other collection, grab some Gary coin. I gated my access to me. So coaching with me, everything was all controlled by the coin. I went all in. And I think that's what a lot of the other creators didn't do is they kind of dabbled, they put their toe in, they said you could have a little bit, but they never committed and I just committed all in. It's really impressive. I and mean, you said a lot there. There's a lot to digest. And I don't think everyone that might be listening to that might even grasp all the little parts that you said. There's content, there's business, there is community aspects, being comfortable with selling and just really owning it, diving in full speed. And I think all those things combined is pretty impressive. So as like the creator that is struggling with just being creative and putting out their art, how do you bridge that into now trying to start that business? Because I, I've seen that you've successfully done that. But what would you say to someone who is looking at that and wondering, well, how do I pivot? How do I do that? Because right now I'm either putting out a podcast, YouTube videos or Instagram or whatever it might be. But when it comes to monetizing that, like, I don't even know where to start. You know, most people don't know where to start. They don't know why. They know they want to do something and they know they want to go in this, this vertical. So they, they do the right thing. They start creating content. Because what they start to get then is a couple of followers and a couple of fans and a couple of people that like them, a base community around them. But what you have to determine at some point in time is how do you want to make money? And there's no right or wrong way to make money. And that's the beauty of it. You can make money through sponsorships. You can make money through selling courses or programs. You can make money through a fan club. You can make money through merchandise. You can make money through a new creation. Um, and when you decide how you make money, you just stick to it. Now, that gets scary for people because... When you're just creating content, it's hard to fail. I'm doing it. I'm creating it. But when you start charging people, there's a scoreboard now. And it's if they don't say yes to paying me, then I, I didn't win. Now, 
I learned to equate no's to winning. So when I ask someone and they say no, I consider that a W for me. Because I know that I can't get yeses unless I get no's. I just know that that's the case. So as someone that's just getting started try to figure out where to monetize, I think it's just figure out, do you want to make money? And if you do, how do you want to charge people? And there's no, like I said, no right or wrong answer. But get comfortable asking people to pay you. Get comfortable saying things like John Lee Dumas. He's a, a pretty famous podcaster, Entrepreneur on Fire. He charged for a duration of his podcast $5,000 to be a guest on his show. So what did he do? He grew an audience of people who liked his show and said, now I'm going to charge you. If you want exposure to my audience, I'll charge you. Well, that's cool. Somebody else, one of my former clients, Lewis Howes, he never charged people to get on the show. He charged advertisers to be on the show. And that was really cool. And then for me, I don't charge people to get on my show or I don't charge advertisers, but I monetize listening to my show live. So in Gary Club, when you're a creator, you get access to the studio live when I'm recording podcasts. So when I bring in you know, Pedro Adeo or Russ Rafino or whoever who it is, you get to be there live and engage and interact. So I chose to monetize that access point. So creating the content, number one, developing your authentic true voice so people actually know you. And that's where you've got to get out of your own way. So many times we say, oh, but I've got to, I've got to stay more vanilla. But the world really wants Rocky Road. We all have it in us. Like we all have the weirdness, the the odd things that we think nobody else likes. But when we let those things out, that's what people relate to. And that's what I see with most podcast hosts is they or creators is they try to be too middle of the road and try to be too they kind of don't become them. And when they do become them, it's scary, but that's when the money starts to come in, the audience starts to come in and everything else. It's very interesting that you say that. A lot of overlapping thoughts there. Um, you mentioned uh, JLD with Entrepreneurs on Fire. And that was actually my entry point into Web3. So he interviewed Joel Kahn, who had a blockchain heroes, which I speak about on the show all the time. I started collecting through that interview. And then all the dots start to connect going back to Clubhouse, seeing all those rooms that said NFT, <laughs> show you how ignorant I was of the space. I thought it was some acronym for, you know, like not safe for work, like NFS, whatever it was. <laughs> so I avoided every single one of those Clubhouse NFT rooms until that interview. And then I just rushed back to Clubhouse and started hopping into them. So it, it's funny that there is that overlapping point. And even what you said, initially, starting with the podcast and everything, it was... I didn't know how to really have my personality or my voice come through. And I was trying to, I don't know, just be too perfect, I guess you would say. And then it wasn't until probably like, honestly, 200 episodes in, I was just like, whatever, let me just be me and relax and just be myself. When did you find that out? Because it was scary. I won't lie, because I, I had this perception of what a professional podcaster should be. And then somewhere around episode 150, 200, it's like I became myself. How did you learn that lesson? It was Clubhouse for me. You know, I jumped in right away and I was on Clubhouse for 17 days when I signed my book deal. That's it. And I signed a deal with a national publisher, Hay House, to publish a book about Clubhouse 17 days into being on the app. So I had to learn my voice quickly. 
I had to learn what I was going to stand for. I had to learn what I was going to do. I had to learn how relationships were built. I was spending in January of 2021, 16 hours a day talking on Clubhouse, not in the audience listening, not on the stage, kind of staying quiet while everyone else talked. I was talking probably 75% of the time. And when I got done talking in one room, I went to the next room. And when I got done talking in that room, I went and hosted my own room. And I would test things. I watched numbers. I kept a yellow pad right next to me. And this was live audience feedback. So you recording a podcast, you kind of have to wait for the delay and hope somebody gives you some feedback. Well, I got to watch what happened in the room. So I watched the people who kept coming back and listening to me. I just wrote them down, their names down, their clubhouse names down on my piece of paper. And I started to develop these patterns. I started to watch on Clubhouse, we developed this little thing called clapping your mic, which is turning your mic on and off. And when you turn your mute on and off, that meant you were like you were celebrating, you were happy. So I started to watch when I talked and I watched when people clapped. And I found out that the more I was me and the more I shared my visions and my ideologies and things like that, the more people liked it. And the more people threw money at me. I mean, I had this one guy one night, um, no joke, he was a Peloton instructor, and I got a message on Instagram, and he said, Gary, this other person told me I need to pay you. Where do I send you money, and what does it cost? And I said, well, the package is 12000 He said, perfect, where do I pay you? I never talked to him on the phone. He paid me 1000 that night and 11000 the next day. So I learned through all of that live audience feedback of muting and unmuting and and, and giving me that pulse at that moment, what was working and what wasn't. And I like making money and I like moving energy. So I just really leaned into it. It was almost addictive at that time. And I can definitely sign on that and say that is no exaggeration when you say 16 hours, because I know every time I popped on the clubhouse, you were on some stage. And it seemed like in my mind, I was like, there has to be more than one guy. <laughs> it's like, he's not, <laughs> he's not one person. <laughs> It was it was crazy. But yeah, those are very interesting times. And, you know, one thing that I thought was very interesting that you said is that you're actually watching to see how the audience responded. Something is very difficult with a podcast, as you said, but there is a saying that what gets measured gets better. And I think that's very interesting that you've even taken that approach to a clubhouse room. And now it would be, I guess you'd say within this space, Twitter spaces. So I, I would like to lean in a little bit more onto that as far as tracking the metrics, if you will, why that's important to a creator. We're trying to develop our true fans. And we get caught with this, this vanity metrics of followers and likes and all these things. And they're there and they're important. But we're still trying to develop our true fans. And we're, we're just testing. We're spending our entire life testing what works and what doesn't work. And I had never had live feedback. You know, I never got the chance, like comedians, for example, they'll go to a small comedy club and try their act before they take it on the road because they need to test it live. So one of my first friends that I met on Clubhouse, her name was um, Leah Lamar. She became a really big comedian. She became the icon of Clubhouse. And Leah started testing comedy. And she started sharing how great it was to test comedy and get all this live feedback. And I'm like, ooh. And I had my business mentor, Suzanne Evans, had talked to me about testing your offers and testing this and test closes. So I'd heard this word test, 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 test. And I kept thinking, well, what else can I test? And when I was in clubhouse rooms, I could watch 
we had this theory that like when certain people talk, the room would grow. And when other people talk, the room would die. And if somebody had bad audio, the, the people would leave the room and we were watching the numbers and, and there was these back, I mean, it was, it was very cold. Like there was these back channels, like, don't let this person up. They don't speak great English or their, their voice is like this and they're going to kill the energy of the room. So I didn't want to kill the energy of the room. Like I'm on stage with people who like one of the guys that I co-created with a lot, his name was Rob Moore. He interviewed Andrew Tate on his podcast, for example, like that kind of like that kind of creator. And I'm just me. I'm small. I don't want to be the guy that kills the energy in the room. So I just started watching and then I learned, huh, okay, if I can be in a room with this type of person, they really like my content. And I, we didn't know those people. There was no segmentations on Clubhouse. But I started to learn those people and I started to hang around with those people. And then I developed a community of people on Clubhouse that I could do that with. And then we ultimately built technology to automate all that for us. But it was really just watching, making sure I wasn't the one killing the room. I think creators need to be themselves, but they also need to lean into the platform they're on. You know, we can't go all in and be ourselves because the platform may not reward us for that. And when we're creating on a platform, we have to create there. Like if you want to create 18 hour long podcasts, that's just not going to work on most podcast platforms. If you want to go create 45 minute videos, it's not going to work on TikTok most of the time. You've got to create for the platform. So I think that creators watching their metrics, watching their data, leaning into what the platform does and creating for that platform, I think is really, really important. Yeah, that is amazing. And again, just so much to unpack there. It's like a wealth of knowledge and seeing all of that. And it's very encouraging to someone because a lot of people that listen to this aren't the Gary V's. They aren't the John Lee Dumas's and so forth. So to hear that you started literally from scratch during that time and just followed all these different steps and are now in a position where you're on that level. You are one of those people that we're looking to for guidance and what have you within the creator space, within Web3 and everything. It's just amazing. It's really encouraging to say that even if today we have a very small following, we are not necessarily sure what our voice is, within a very short period of time, everything can turn around. And that is really encouraging. And I think it's uh, important for a lot of people to know because a lot of the messages I get and things are people asking, do you think this wave is over? Do you think that we should pursue something else? And, you know, there's nothing older than speaking. And you found your legs and found all these different channels, having a NFT project, you have technology and all of this stuff. And it was by speaking. There's no older tech than your voice. <laughs> That's just amazing to me. Yeah. And I mean, just to give you perspective, 2019, so September, October, 2019, my wife and I were at Summit of Greatness with Lewis Howes. He was a client of mine. I was speaking at that event. We went to this local taco shop called Condado Tacos, and they had a, a sign on their wall that said, if you take a picture of your taco and you post it on Instagram and you use their hashtag, you get a free taco. But you had to have a thousand followers, and I didn't. So fall of 2019 on Instagram, I did not have a thousand followers. Now I've got 20-some thousand. Um, I didn't have any followers on Clubhouse until early January 2021. Now I've got 87,000 there. I was less than 3,000 on Twitter last year, and now I'm at 26,000 on Twitter. 
just by being me and developing my voice, um, creating the kind of content that I think people want and leaning into the platform, building on platform relationships and using the platform ads when they're available. It's absolutely amazing. And so someone who wants to, I guess you would say, follow those steps, get involved with what you're doing, learn from you or continue this conversation because there's only but so much that someone can get from listening to a podcast or even this interview. I know their minds are blowing and this is one that, you know, is going to have replay value, but how can someone get involved with you and what you're doing and continue this? Yeah, the best place is look up online, gary.club. So gary.club. I'm very active on Twitter. So Gary L. Henderson on Twitter. I'm a giraffe. I'm pretty much on every social media platform. So I'd love to connect with you. So hopefully you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. There was so much to take away from that, a lot of inspiration, and not just looking at one aspect of it, but if you step back and just look at the wide gamut of things that he covered, finding his voice, building that audience, engaging them, using Web3 elements, everything coming together to form a meaningful business that's going to last a while. And it's just absolutely amazing everything he has covered. And it just really shows that you can do a lot in a short period of time. There's a saying, I believe it's by Tony Robbins, that we overestimate what we can accomplish in a year, but we underestimate what we can accomplish in a decade. Now, Gary, all of that, the progress that we covered was only a matter of about three years. However, just imagine where he will be in 10 years. So if you are in this game and you're trying to build and do some things, I think it is just very encouraging to do that. Follow him at gary.club. Check out everything that he's building. And there is just so much. You'll find out about draft towers, the Gary token and everything. That information will be in the show notes. So as usual, I just want to thank you for taking time to listen to this as we're learning and building Web3 together. So until next time, later. The Nifty Business Show is not investment advice. It provides insights and information within the space. As with anything, please do your own research before making a decision whether you're making an investment or a purchase.